Welcome to Self-Discovery Radio, where the discovery of self is just a show away. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Choose Positive Living. I am your host, Sarah Troy, and I have a, and a guest that's been on our show's our station before, Ronnell Woods. Uh, she's such a mindful of information that we just had to have her again. And uh, if you um, heard her on Quinescent Shows with Bill Mackey, she told her story there and how what she is doing today kind of came about and uh, kind of getting into what we're going to be talking about today. But I'm hitting this more on a personal level. Um, when she came to me, I felt like an angel had landed. The wings were flapping. Um, I have my fascial pain. Uh, I know I'm saying it wrong. I've never been able to say it right. It's fiber optic fascia. When I was first diagnosed with it, nobody could really tell me what it was. Nobody could tell me what they were going to do for it. I have been through a series of things, anything from um, salt water injections, um, magnesium injections, even anesthetizing injections. Um, I've gone through the gamut. The only thing that ever, ever worked was a really excellent massage therapist that I had for a while who really kind of knew where the blockage was and how to loosen up the muscle. But it's one of those things that people just, doctors especially, really don't know what to do about. And they love to address a symptom, one spot, uh, if there isn't a pill for it or if there isn't an amputee for it or an injection for it, they really don't know what to do with it. So we're going to discuss what is it? How does it affect our bodies? How many people actually are affected out there without really understanding? And how much in your own body, um, this kind of trauma, which is basically what it is, um, affecting your life? What can we do to release this pain? Having had it now for 20 odd years, um, believe me, I'd love to know the answer. So my angel with the flapping wings, Ronel, welcome to the <laughs> show. So happy to be here. Release me. Um, <laughs> I wish your arms could kind of come down through the through the waves here. Um, let us first tell people really what it is. You know this fiber optic fascia, um, because it's so misunderstood. As I said, not even the doctors really know how to explain it. So let's hand that over to you. Doctors' perception of fascia is that it is the packing material in your body. They just think that it connects and holds things together, and when they do surgery, they hack through it, thinking that it's just the stuff that's in the way, like styrofoam peanuts, <laughs> that needs to be gotten out of the way so that they can get to the target. And we didn't have any way of convincing them otherwise until... A hand surgeon in France took his surgical tools inside a living person and made a video of the living fascia magnified 25 times. And he made a movie called Strolling Under the Skin. And you can watch the whole movie. There are clips of it on YouTube. But the language is really dense and heavy. 
I happen to be gifted at being able to take really heavy scientific language and interpret it for the layman. And that's what I am fulfilling in my destiny. In addition to doing the work, I can explain it so people understand it, and it is a very simple concept. So, to back up a little bit, fascia is not packing material only. That connective nature is true. It does do that, but it also has a protective aspect to it, and it communicates as well. So what we saw when that French doctor took his cameras inside the body was that uh, it looks very different in a living person than it does on a cadaver, and that's how it had previously been studied. It looks gray and mushy, and the drier it gets, the more it's crackly like cotton candy and very brittle. So it was easy to dismiss that without understanding what it looks like when it's magnified, and it shows that these little fibers are individual, they're hollow, they are transparent tubules full of water that transmit information through light. That understanding alone has a profound impact on how science can not only perceive fascia, but study it. All of that scientific study is very interesting to me. I love reading about it. But it's not that important for anybody to know the yes. science of it, to experience it. And what it feels like to me is that they're just starting to catch up with what therapists have known for a long time. And we're beginning to bridge the gap between the massage idea of a therapist and an actual myofascial practitioner who is able to speak to the scientific community without them rolling their eyes at us anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> because in a really big way, um, you can see how this sensitive mechanism in your body responds to light and frequency and vibration, and it can be the aspect of our body that carries consciousness in the form of light throughout our body and allows us to be sensitive to subtle vibrations. Literally, it vibrates. Mm -hmm. And when I start talking like that, I can lose some sciencey people. Yes. But we do not have to argue the function of fiber optics because we all watch cable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is through fiber optics that those signals come into our home and we're able to view so much information transmitted along these light tubules. We know our body is magnificent and we've always thought of it as beyond our comprehension. It makes sense to me that we could learn more, although the scientific community for a while has thought that they knew everything. This particular breakthrough has really far-reaching implications as far as disease is concerned. And that's where I begin talking about its protective nature. So first, let me just tell you how you're put together 
and how the, the fascia as a mechanism is in your body. And the very best analogy that I give was given to me by my mentor, John Barnes, on the first day I took a course of his. And he said, if you can imagine an orange without the peel, it still holds its shape. It's still round, and all of that white pith holds everything together. And we are like that without our skin. We have a superficial layer of fascia just underneath the surface of our skin that connects the skin to the rest of the body, and it also contains everything. But further, you can take a section out of an orange, and it has its own container. Just in the same way you can take muscles and organs out of our body, each of them has its own container, this saran wrap layer of fascia around it. And you can open a section of the orange and see each little individualized piece of pulp has its own container, just like we do, all the way down to muscle, spindle, and organelle, all the way down to bone. And bone is just mineralized fascia. So it is everywhere. Mm. And it's all connected to each other. And if you know that, you could imagine that problems in one area of your fascia could create drag in other areas of your fascia. And how do these problems occur? First of all, when you are a tiny little baby, you are responding from an automatic place in your body. And we have survival mechanisms in place that take place even though we're not consciously aware of it. So when you hear a loud noise, you'll see a baby's arms and hands fly out. They are responding to a fear signal, and it is their fascia that reacts by contracting. Even though the limbs fly outward, it is because all the fascia worked all together, all at the same time, to tighten and squeeze. The biological purpose of that is so that if you have to uh, be in fight or flight mode and encounter a wild animal or mm -hmm. fight with someone and you get injured, you won't bleed too much. And you won't feel it right away because it's squeezing your nerves as well. It is meant to be a temporary response. Once that moment is over, then that sympathetic nervous system can be calmed down and the parasympathetic nervous system can kick in and release endorphin and dopamine and oxytocin and can move you into the rest and restore response. Well, as you grow up, you get a lot of messages to please sit down, please be quiet, please hold still. And the fascia functions to help you do that by tightening. We're we have a lot to learn when we're little kids, and we can't always be thinking about those things. So that uh, sit down, be quiet, hold still goes on a background program, so we can't always be thinking about it, and we can learn other things. That's normal. And when you're a kid, you have a lot of opportunity to jump around and spaz out and move and unwind that tightening 
And the older you get and the more dignified you are and the more appropriately <laughs> you behave, the less likely you are to allow yourself to move in goofy ways like that. So you need an opportunity to interrupt those, those patterns because you're holding in your throat so you don't talk too loud. Mm. You've seen uh, many times a mom will really clamp down on her kid <laughs> when he's screaming and yelling or just saying rude things in public. Yes. And you get the message really clearly, you are too much, you need to rein it in, and your fashion does that. You may have slapped a kid or stolen another kid's toy, and you get a message, we don't do that. And so you tighten in your arms, even though the impulse is still there. You learn to control it and hold it in with your fascia. And same with kicking people. You've got fascia holding your legs, so you don't kick people. And all of that is helpful and healthy and normal, as long as you have the opportunity to interrupt those patterns from time to time. And release. And release. Mm -hmm. But over time, if those patterns are strong and ingrained and your body's movement doesn't allow the fascia to, to widen from time to time for that internal fascial fishnet to get wider, then it gets the message that we are needed here often and we are going to support this body in doing what it always does and we're just going to follow a process of becoming bone. So uninterrupted fascial patterns will eventually ossify and become bone. So it's not a joke that right. you need to stretch. It's just a matter of fine-tuning your understanding of what that mechanism is in your body is that you're stretching because many people think of it as the muscle and that allows us to continue the, to view the body as just one piece at a time. Hold on. So it's, it's your entire internal? Sweater. And we want to have a view of our body as not just individualized pieces because it works all together in a view that it's just the muscle that's the problem doesn't give you a more holistic approach for how you might have twisted your ankle when you were seven years old, put more weight on your right foot in the weeks and months after that, the ankle on one side healed, but you still have a pattern of walking with a little bit more weight on the right side, shifts your hips a little bit so that the opposite hip is lifted and higher, influences the positioning of your ribs, and can ultimately influence your jaw and your cranial bones. And it isn't just bones and muscles we're dealing with. It is fascia, the connective tissue that is the one mechanism that contacts every other mechanism in your body. If we have an overall view of our health from that perspective, we can see disease in a completely different way, and the way that we address it can heal the whole body rather than trying to just 
um, patch it up in sections. Right. And well, I'm going. I'm going to let us um, reiterate all of this now because um, you know it's we are inclined to look at an injury as being one particular spot. Uh, I mean, you just described my body. I broke my ankle, uh, mm. so of course I favoured the left hand side to protect the right hand side. It froze the hip mm. out. Um, I've had a few other car accidents, so of course it puts, you know, froze that balance out. And I have had. Um, um, you know, balancing uh, treatments done where they kind of rebalance your body and realign it, which was great. Mm -hmm. But we don't realize that, you know, just because we injured one thing, we don't actually actually understand the domino effect that it has and throwing out the whole body. And now the whole body's been put into stress, right? Precisely. I'll give an example, which may seem a little gruesome, but what's known by doctors is that if somebody loses a limb, if a finger gets cut off or an arm, they need to get to it as quickly as possible to reattach it because the nerves and veins in that area retract into the body. And the function that does that is the fascia. It squeezes everything so that you don't bleed too much, and it causes contraction everywhere in your body. And even though you hurt the ankle on one side, your whole body gets in on the act of protecting you. Mm -hmm. And it develops a, a kind of a perspective about your body, which is, uh-oh, look out, be careful, watch that right, that left ankle, don't step too quickly or too hard. And when the fascia contracts, it can exert 2,000 pounds of tensile strength. And if we don't know that that's what's happening, we don't realize the importance of interrupting the pattern that went into action called the freeze response in the moment of terror, in that dear God, we're going to die moment, mm -hmm. which can happen even if you just prick your finger with a pin your whole body responds with, dear God, we're going to die. <laughs> and it contracts. <laughs> and it's wonderful that it does that, but it is not meant to persist. Right. So many of us don't realize we're walking around with a lifetime of fear experiences stored in our fascia, uh -huh. like a storage tank. And... There are yoga practices and meditation practices. I was reading The Untethered Soul, and there are quotes in there that say, one day if you meditate enough and you're a good spiritual person and you evolve, nothing will ever upset you. And that's <laughs> just not true. No. Biologically, yes. we will always jump if mm -hmm. we hear a loud noise. So if we can get past the idea that not feeling and not reacting makes us a good person, we can acknowledge the animal nature in our biology and then work with it so that it's not running us all the time because it takes a tremendous amount of energy to contain how we really feel. And I do not advocate um, lashing out at people, punching, kicking, biting, throttling, <laughs> scratching faces. 
<laughs> but I do acknowledge it's an animal instinct to do those things, and we are pulling ourselves back from doing that. What I do advocate is that you set aside a time for what I call a SNIT fitness program, and you are in private, you're lying on your bed, you don't even have to know why you're upset or genuinely be afraid or mad, but you can start opening pressure release valves in your body, acknowledging that this is how it functions and that biologically it needs to empty out and you can start kicking your heels and pounding your fists and yelling into a pillow and if you're not mad you can even end up laughing uproariously but allowing that snit fit to come through you allowing your body to tell the truth about how it has felt about many situations in an environment where you're not in danger and nobody else is and there's nobody there to judge you because what has happened in the moment of fear as the fascia clamped down to tell your body not now, it trapped chemistry. Let me give you an example. Uh, would this be a good time for the cavewoman analogy? Go ahead. Okay. There's a bit of cavewoman in all of us. <laughs> yes. yes, it is in our biological nature. So, cavewoman used to be able to have an honest reaction to adrenaline. She would round a corner, encounter a wild animal, get a huge shot of adrenaline right to her psoas muscle, which are right on either side of your belly button and run down to the top of your leg to lift your leg for fight or flight. And she would. She would kick and punch and scratch and run back to safety and in the process her body would metabolize out the adrenaline from that moment and the byproduct of her muscular use, the lactic acid and uric acid of fear. And then later on, she would pee it away. If we could have measured her urine, we could have found those byproducts in her urine. Mm -hmm. Now, modern woman drives a car. She's coming around a corner and somebody pulls out in front of her suddenly and she gets the same amount of adrenaline that cave woman used to get right to her psoas for kicking and running. This is not a good idea <laughs> when you're driving. Yes, no, put the foot so, to the pedal. <laughs> <laughs> the fascia in your body helps you say, not now, and it clamps down around everything. And the only movement that you can allow yourself is from the accelerator to the brake. Is this why yeah, people get that, that moment where they just freeze? You know that expression, I just froze? Is that because yes, the fascia is stopping you from, you know, reacting or you can't run so the body just freezes in that moment? Exactly. Fight, flight, or freeze. Wonderful book called Waking the Tiger by Levine describes how animals shake after a frightful experience and then get up, run off, and it's over. And we freeze. So you still have a half an hour to drive home from that moment in your car, and you may get home and have forgotten about it completely. Or you may process it intellectually. You may say, oh, somebody pulled out in front of us, nearly killed everybody, what a jerk. 
but your body never had a chance mm. to tell the truth about how it felt in that moment and metabolize through movement all of that freeze response. And so all of this time that you don't allow the body to react, your muscles are marinating in this acid bath of fear response, the chemistry of fear. The fascia has clamped against the muscle and it has trapped lactic acid, uric acid, adrenaline against the muscle. If that is left uninterrupted, it begins to get gummy and sticky and the fibers of fascia adhere to each other and to the surface they're surrounding so that one day you go to reach for a high shelf and your arm doesn't go that way anymore. And you think, that was sudden. No, it's been building up over a long period of time. You reach further and you think, no, that, that can't be good. And so you start putting things on lower shelves and not asking your body to move beyond these walls of restriction that are inside you. And I am here to preach the message <laughs> that you want to go right up to those walls and hang out, not regarding your body as a misbehaving thing that has betrayed you and needs to be punished. Because right. in actuality, it's just done everything you have asked it to do, and it wants to support you in doing what you always do, so it hardens in these patterns. And you want to tell your body how much you appreciate what it did to help you survive, because it worked. Mm -hmm. And then let your body know, that isn't happening anymore. We can let go now. If the message in the body was, whoa, that car accident was a life-threatening thing, we're never going to let ourselves get in that danger again, we will be prepared from now on. Every fiber inside is just always going to be clamping down in high alert. You can't keep living like that because eventually you pay a very big price with all of this stored chemistry in your body that makes you feel acidic, achy, and sore, and you can't always tie it to something that has happened in the course of your life, because things happen in the timeline of our life all the time. There's and 10 of those experiences a day. Can, can I address post-traumatic stress um, um, syndrome um, or disorder? Because, you know, that's always, that's been triggered by an event, and and then in the moment somebody kind of sees even a hint of that event, it comes back up again. Is that kind of a form of the fascia protecting our body, causing that stress on us, which of course now relates to kind of considered a mental disorder? Yes, I'm glad you asked that. I've spoken only of a bland and normal life. Add to that any traumatic experience whether mental or emotional, and I'll talk about that in a moment, you add so much more to the picture of fascial holding. In a body that has been traumatized, the chemistry that's held within the body is, is 
plenteous, I guess is the word I want to say. There's mm-hmm. a lot of it, and it's everywhere, and it doesn't take much to to wake up the memories. Because as your body lets go, for instance, you come in for a treatment, and you lie on my table, I put my hands on your skin without oil, and I push the skin until I feel resistance and hang out there, what takes place under my hand is a moment when the fascia says, I know how to deal with this, I will deal with it in the way that I always have, and it goes, and resists, especially if a body has had a lot of trauma. But then it begins to notice that I'm not doing anything sudden, and I'm not backing off. It holds and holds and holds until it gets the message that it's not being attacked. And it eventually gives up and says, oh, fine, all right, if you insist. (laughs) And this melting begins to happen under my hands as these patterns interrupt and soften and open. And what's happening is that saran wrap has just loosened and eased up, which is what we want. And here I am talking softly, saying, it's okay, just let go, let your body unwind, take the brakes off, and you do. And that's all well and good. But what happens is the chemistry that was trapped there is swept off the surface of the muscle. It can get in between those layers and it can clean out the gunk and start um, bringing that chemistry into your bloodstream. Mm -hmm. But that chemistry triggers what that chemistry triggers, which is what happened when you clamped down uh, around that chemistry. And you can have memories come up while you're letting go on the table and you can have aches and pains show up from injuries from ages ago and feel the result of the chemistry of fear anxiety anger grief sadness depression and even like i said laughter at times when you've had to hold in laughter and it can be very weird for somebody on the table to begin to feel emotional when they're experiencing a treatment And this is why I prepare them ahead of time by saying this is the chemical um, thing that's going on underneath your skin, and your blood is going to carry that to your kidneys so you can pee it away. Essentially, your body is leaking out this lifetime of experience in the form of this fear chemistry, and you are not going crazy. And you will not get so far out there that you can't get your sanity back. In fact, you're more able to go sane (laughs) from this process and let go of all that stuff that you've been holding because it is really bad for your muscles and organs, and it's exhausting. No, tell me about it. Yes. Uh Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it can wear you out. Absolutely. it triggers a release of endorphin and dopamine and oxytocin, So this means that when you have been able to let go, and for some letting go, you would never even know what was happening beneath the surface of their skin. 
they're calm, they're quiet, there's hardly any movement, there's a lot going on for them, but they're kind of mute and they're not saying a word, you don't see much going on. But I know from experience, a lot is. Others can come undone, I'm one of those, and that's how my experience (laughs) began, with uh, having tears come up and screaming and kicking and wanting to punch and so I provide a pillow for clients if they have this urge to be able to strangle the pillow or <laughs> scream into the pillow because it can be frightening to them thinking, you know, this is so unacceptable. My tribe is going to reject me. I will mm-hmm. be banned from the village for sure. It's finally happening, this thing that I've been afraid of. And imagine a soldier who has seen horrible things and maybe even been commanded to do horrible things that their body does not like. And as they are letting go of those experiences in their body, it can be really dramatic. And trying to hold those experiences in, a soldier who has been in battle and then comes home to his wife and child where the skills that he employed in war are so not appropriate and not needed at home to be a gentle husband and good dad. He is constantly fighting against what has been stored in his body so that he doesn't lash out. And it doesn't always work. It happens anyway, and it causes them to think that they're crazy and get depressed and get physically very ill. And the way that Western medicine addresses that is as though a big alarm is going off in a house. There's a fire somewhere, but instead of finding the fire and help put it out, they want to find the alarm and turn the alarm off. Mm -hmm. And your body is talking to you. It's like a a little kid saying, Dad, 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 Dad. And rather than scream at it to go watch TV, you want to deal with what that that voice kid is saying inside, to you. That yeah. voice is saying and say, "Baby, what is it? I hear you. What do you need?" And it's like being the best parent you could possibly be to your own body. Your higher self reassures your body: nothing bad's going to happen if you let go, and you don't have to. When you come for treatment, I have no agenda. I do not need to see you cry. Right. I am so open to whatever happens for you in your body because this is you. I'm not a healer. I facilitate your own body's ability to heal and create a space where it's okay for you to let go and know that nothing that gets expressed in a session is judged or taken personally. I mean, you know, when we, when we look at it, you know, we're constantly telling people to release, release, release. Let go of your mm-hmm. old beliefs. Uh, release mm-hmm. what does not serve you. Um, mm-hmm. Don't hold on to that grudge. And, you know, emotionally, we might go through that process. But then, as you said, the body is still holding on to it. We haven't done what we need to do physically to release that pain or that memory. Uh, we haven't given it permission to do. And I think people work under the assumption that the mind and the body are separate and it is one 
perfect lead-in yeah. for me to describe for all of the listeners right now to imagine walking through a lemon orchard. And it's extraordinary because it smells so good. And you reach up and grab a lemon right off the tree, and as you dig your fingernail into the rind of that lemon, you see the zest fly up in the sunshine, and it's just beautiful, it smells beautiful, and you inadvertently lick your thumb without thinking, and you taste that sour lemon juice on your thumb, and right now, anyone listening is probably salivating, Mm -hmm. and there is no lemon here, Right. and that is to illustrate that thoughts produce chemical reactions in your body. Yes. And you can be reacting to what you are thinking about, even if it's not happening. So there is no need to dispute the fact that your thoughts and your biology are directly connected, and you cannot address one without the other. I can't ask you to come in for a treatment and pretend that um, you're having been in... Uh, war zone isn't related to the tension in your body. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you when you start to um, feel angry and you want to say bad words in response to what happened a long time ago that you need to calm down and just get it together. And hey, now we don't need to use that kind of language. We get that enough. And we know that very clearly. We know how to be appropriate. But we need a place in this world that invites you to let go and really means it and provides a safe place for you to do that because it's as much biological as it is emotional and the mind, body, and spirit are all wrapped up therein together. And I never pretend that they are different things I get to see the first-hand evidence of what happens with people when they get myofascial release, they have an unwinding, and they move forward in their life. They glow. Yeah. If you've ever described someone as radiant, mm-hmm. it is something we can actually show you the mechanism of as your fascial tubules unsnarl as the clamping down and clenching in your body clears and light is able to flow back through that area that was essentially squeezed off like a tourniquet inside you. And your conscious awareness comes into this area that you've been holding on to sometimes without your conscious awareness. You didn't realize your left shoulder was hiked up like that all the time until... I started pulling (laughs) Mm -hmm. with traction or pressing with compression. And once you bring your awareness into it, then you're not at the mercy of it anymore. You have the ability to intentionally let go and elongate and restore flow in your body. So all of the pieces are brought back into the family and you remember each part so that it's functioning smoothly and, and easily. And for some reason, I'm getting the intuition that some people are wondering, well, how long does this take? Yeah. 
And that's what everybody wants to know. What do I recommend? How long will it take? And how much will it cost? And it's different depending on what area of the country you live in in terms of cost. But it is universal in terms of the body you live in that fascia will not be rushed. Right. If you rush the body, it goes into accomplishment mode, mode, Mm -hmm. and the fascia just braces so that you can go unconscious to get something accomplished. And so it takes time. If you've lived a long time, it's not going to come undone in a day. If you have had a lot of trauma, you don't want it to all flush out in a day. It's it's like thinking that you could eat every meal of your life at one <laughs> meal. You want to go gently and slowly because a healing crisis can get stirred up. If you imagine that you might re-experience the feelings that you had from the fear of the car accident, you want to take that in small bites and I recommend, and it is true, that if you go into your body and you stretch that rubber band of fascia that's been tight for a long time, you'll get only so far with that, and you don't want to do it too fast because it needs the time to elongate. But if you wait a week or a month between sessions all of that tightening gets to settle back in again. And my intention is not to hook people in like a chiropractor and say, well, you just need to come in once a week for the rest of your life. I want to get in there with you and get it done. And you serve yourself best if you can get as many treatments close together as you can. Because that allows us to interrupt the pattern, interrupt it again, interrupt it again and retrain your body out of that habit of clenching. So I'll see someone three times a day, three days in a row if they want. And it's not like regular massage where you would get sore or achy or it wouldn't be good for you uh, because we're not pressing downward and digging like deep tissue treatment does. I do not deny that that can feel good. But it is not shifting the fascia. It's not displacing that saran wrap off the surface of the muscle. It's just pushing it against the muscle. Right. So when we're opening the body and we're restoring flow, it doesn't harm you to get in there again and again and again. But there are those who are limited by their budget. And if I can see them three times a week, that's great. If I can see them once a week, that's great. But if we start moving into a regimen of just once a month, we're Can't get not much done in that. Get much done, yeah. yeah. And it's kind of a waste of their money because I'm starting over mm-hmm. every time and teaching the body, this is how I touch you and it's okay to let go. And I call it permafrost. There's this layer in the body of bracing that's always prepared. And once I get past that, it takes a little bit of time, and the body remembers, oh, yeah, okay, okay, I'll let go. It becomes, for me, like an archaeological dig, that there are these layers that have to be removed, and I might start with broad movements, traction and compression, 
like an archaeologist would start with shovels and picks, but then the body starts to show more fine layers where you can really feel what's going on underneath the skin. And then we move into using toothbrushes and paintbrushes to disperse the sand, you know, mm-hmm. to find where the the architecture is inside you as we help to free your body. And it's miraculous what happens because people not only physically feel better, but they feel emotionally better. They feel freed up and they'll come back saying, this is weird, but I yeah. cleaned up out a junk drawer when I went home. Do you think that's related to this? <laughs> and it absolutely is. They mm-hmm. have conversations with a loved one that needed to happen because they become intolerant of clutter and holding mm-hmm. everywhere. And um, there's a book out that's really popular right now about, I can't remember the exact title, but that you can heal your life by cleaning up clutter. Mm-hmm. As within, so without. Yes, <laughs> exactly. I'd actually like to hit on a couple of other things as well. Um, sure. You know, we're seeing fibromyalgia um, and mm-hmm. IBS, which comes along with it, um, are uh-huh. really on the, the growing scale. Um, yes. And again, that's something that I've had for the last 20 years, along with the, the my fascicle. Is it all mm-hmm. part and parcel? Because it's, you know, fibromyalgia is like inflammation. Is that coming about because the fascia is not getting its oxygen, its blood flow, and this is what's causing the inflammation? Yeah. If you can view your body in terms of being squeezed, in terms of having an internal straitjacket with no let up, it can explain so many diagnoses, especially the ones that are called of idiopathic origin. It's a doctor's way of saying, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, believe me, I've heard that started. one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And the beauty is, we don't need to know where it started, but right. we want to start treating the symptom and look elsewhere for the cause. Yeah. Is this IBS from a emotional trauma causing you to clench in your stomach and have a pattern of uh oh and dread and look out and here it comes again, and is that inhibiting the smooth movement of your digestive system? Or, and I hadn't talked about this yet, did you get a cesarean section at some point in your life? Yes, yes, yes. And as the scar began to heal, you did? Mm. I've had an atopic pregnancy and a C-section, so being cut there twice. Now, I've seen this many times with ectopic pregnancy where the problem has been dealt with, your life was saved, everything goes on as normal, and then 10, 20, 30 years later, these symptoms in your abdomen start to show up that no doctor would ever attribute to what happened back then. Mm -hmm. But if we could see inside your body, we would see that when the fascia is disturbed, if there's tearing or cutting, it repairs like plaid. All those little fibers don't lay back down in the same direction of the muscle as they did before. They repair crisscross and diagonal and back and forth. It's the body's way of saying, oh my goodness, we were interrupted there. We weren't ready for that. We will reinforce this area so it is super strong and that will never happen again. 
And, and does that cause the in, endometriosis? Yes. Right. <laughs> okay, there's another one. <laughs> yes. And as those fibers repair, they don't always know when to quit. Right. They want to stabilize. So they will reach out and wrap around structures inside you to stabilize and keep on repairing. So a C-section across your lower abdomen, while all we see on the surface is a little white line, below the surface, if we wrap our fingers around that scar and lift the skin, we can feel where else in the body that fascial scarring has grown attached and causes drag in your system. And if you can imagine that the fascial weave around your intestines when you were little used to be wide open so that the intestines flowed through these circular openings in the fascia, then imagine that fascia getting tighter and twisted in some ways, and you can see that the intestines are trying to flow through these slits, these narrow slits in the intestines, and flow doesn't happen as easily. And not only that, if you've got fascia exerting 2,000 pounds of tensile strength inside you, no wonder it's painful and it feels like pressure. And I talk about the intestines in particular because one of the things I listen for when someone's receiving treatment are gurgling noises. And they can be just huge once the fascia gets the message. Yeah. Even if I'm working in your foot, if the fascia lets go there, it talks to every other fiber of fascia in you, and it can start your stomach to gurgling. And what's happening is those slits have become open circles again, and the backed-up stuff in your intestines can gurgle on through and move. And so people will tell me, I'm sorry, I didn't have breakfast, yeah. or I'm sorry, I had breakfast. <laughs> I think that it needs to be explained, but I love hearing that. That's always good. Doctors love to hear that, too. They want to hear that before you, you leave the hospital after right. you've had surgery because they want to know things are moving, but they don't realize that what they did in the surgery needs to be addressed with fascial release afterward so that scar doesn't go crazy and it doesn't um, invade other areas, and that you don't get puckers in the skin, keloids, and other aspects that come as a result of cutting the skin. But we also can tear the fascia inside, and that needs to be addressed, not just from the perspective of a broken bone, but from the saran wrap that's around everything in that area of injury. And, you know, when you think about it, like I, I broke my ankle in three places, so they had to get in there and put plates and screws. And oh, a, yeah. And so, you know, huge big scar there and et cetera. And then they set it wrong. And so I had to have it um, redone, you know, three times. Broken. Uh, well, they didn't re-break it, but what they did is it's just the bandage type thing that they put it on. And I ended up with pointy toe. So when I lay down, my ankle will not go flat. It's oh. causing point, which then throws the hip out. Right, yeah. and then throws the yeah. shoulder out, and uh, it's very hard to to lay down, and uh, because it's you know I'm not getting any of that release of that support there, and it's it's you know you look at these things, and as you said, when I used to go for for that massage, and she was an energy massager, so she could really go where the energy was blocked. She knew how to do that, you know. My yeah. body was in such release, you know that 
I, you know, my my fibromyalgia, my my, my first goal, my everything about it was just like, you know, minimal, completely minimal. Um, we didn't attend uh, to emotion or any of that type of thing. It was purely physical, but it gave me a quality of life, which of course now budget-wise I can't afford that, and it's not covered anymore. You know, oh. medical would rather give you a pill. And as yep. I said, I went for this exploratory surgery where they would inject you in one area. But I go, you're injecting in one area, but what about the other area? No, one area at a time. Well, that's not yep. doing anything. You know, it's, it's, it's attending to one little area, but that area, I can feel it. I could draw it all out for you exactly where everything is because I can feel it. And it's not attending to anything. And it's, you know, the, all they seem to want to do all the time is inject you or give you a pill and it's like well how about paying attention to you know the fascia which I was actually thought was the muscle and now because of you I understand it's you know the fascia underneath why are they not getting this I feel like we're at a time when Columbus got permission from the Spanish Queen to get on his ships and go look for India and find out if the world was flat or round. They're just getting permission now. <laughs> and there are therapists like myself and John Barnes who have been in little rowboats far <laughs> beyond the horizon for years, and it's a foregone conclusion that the world is round to us. Mm -hmm. We have known this for so long, and the reason that you and I are talking right now has to do with the fact that more people are being exposed to this information and more people are wanting this information yes. and we are exploding this realization into the world right now. So it's an extraordinary time and I don't think it will be that much longer before Western medicine acknowledges and adopts an approach of working with the fascia that really gives them the option to first do no harm. Yes. Because if this were the first line of defense with someone's disease process, and we could find out if we ease the pressure in this system, if we untwist the snarls here, do those symptoms go away? Long before we prescribe an opioid that's addictive, or decide to cut into this body that already has enough scarring and fascial restriction in it. Yeah. You know, the one thing I enjoyed about your book, Touching Light, How to uh, Free Your Fiber Optic Fascia, uh, it's so easy to read. You, you know, you really have spoken to the layman. Um, you know, and it's one of those things that you can just follow and the light bulbs go off. You know, oh, okay, that explains that. Oh, I understand that now. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, mm -hmm. And, and you know, I think it's kind of one of these things that, you know, your book should be sent out <laughs> to all of these surgeons um, yes, you know, ahead I of time. And, and, you know, and to doctors who just love to prescribe the pills and everything else. Because, you know, and also to, you know, like medical associations that are just dismissing, you know, other types of therapy. Because, you know, if you think back to the beginning of time, you know, um, before we popped the pills or took out the knife, you know, hands-on healing, whether it be, you know, through energy, through massage, through w whatever, it, you know, even what you're doing, I'm sure was done way, way back when, before you, were under, you was even understood what was being done. 
that was the way to actually make that body productive and heal that body. And yet we kind of went backwards when Western medicine came in because everybody was looking for the quick fix. And we realized there is no quick fix, is there? If we put our body into trauma through stress, uh, through, through trauma, through not stretching, through holding things in, from not releasing, from accidents, um, we are going to pay the price for that. And if we do not invest in our bodies and give it the time that it needs in order to heal, to release, we're going to live in the pain. And that's, that's the way it is. Exactly. You've got it. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm preaching here. <laughs> exactly. Well, as I said, when you when, when you know uh, you got sent to me and it was like somebody who even knows what the word is. Uh, bec- yes. Because it's just been one of those things like I felt completely in the dark. Fibromyalgia is out there now, inflammation, and I take my turmeric and things like this and try and keep the, the inflammation down. And, you know, you've got old um, beautiful arts like Tai Chi and Qigong, you know, that have become even more to the forefront in the Western society, which is constantly stretching and keeping the body in flow. You know, once somebody has actually had all of that release, are those type of things good in order to keep your body in stretch and in flow? Yes. There should also, along with myofascial release, be a program for uh, a movement practice that we should all get on the bandwagon, the movement movement, because any time you've been told to have complete bed rest or to just stay off it, that is a very bad idea because that gives the fascia and the chemistry in the body a chance to really stagnate Mm. and congeal and become polluted. Using a little bit of movement after an injury is one of the best things that you can do gently and mindfully with your awareness in your body, not absentmindedly, helps you keep that from becoming a really thick, immovable place. And that old um, golden rule of working with athletes that if they get an injury, you should use the acronym RICE, rest, ice, compress, and elevate, has been refuted by the very man who coined that golden rule. Mm -hmm. He has said that the research actually shows that icing slows down the healing process and rest uh, causes things to thicken and congeal and makes it more resistant to movement once you get function back. So having that awareness and keeping yourself informed about what's now known It takes 10 to 15 years for a scientific breakthrough to reach Western medicine practice. And, 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 you know, what you're talking about, the ice, is that my body screams for heat. I actually literally sleep, you know, on this heating pad that I fluctuate, you know, move around my body to where it needs it. And I find it's the heat that does it. And, you know, I was an asthmatic growing up, and it was the old way. You started coughing or you had a cold because I was a bronchial asthmatic in bed. And I could be in get in bed for weeks. Yeah. And you know, we yeah. just it, it was no, no, you can't move, you can't do that. You've just got to stay still. And you know, it's that's the way it was back then, right? You were sick, you took to bed. And of course, yeah. you know, now it would be, you know, um, obviously no big activity. But I mean, swimming is wonderful, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is. 
it's non-weight bearing, so yeah. it doesn't help with bone density. But in terms of what the body loves, the it is you being mostly water in water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> loves exactly. That fluidity and weightlessness and the ability to move in every direction. You can do a little self unwinding when you're floating in the pool. I wanted to say that what I'm picking up on, uh, I see in a lot of my clients who come to see me because they were born with gifts of sensitivity and those were interpreted as weakness and illness. Mm -hmm. So if you picked up on what was going on around you, if you were reacting to allergens in the air, if you were um, finding that you felt quite emotional and very sensitive, um, they were trying to figure out how to help you not be so sensitive. Yeah, but that's that was totally me because I'm a you know a, I'm an emotional spiritual healer. So um, yes. yes, yeah, uh, completely. And you know, suppress, suppress, suppress. You know, and, yeah. and you've gone through this process of trying to fix this sensitivity, and what can actually happen in this um, disease searching for a cure process is that you realize it is honing your gift. It is really leading you to understand you better, to acknowledge your sensitivity and not apologize for it, account for it, yeah. and take care of yourself as a sensitive person so that you now are even more tuned in to what others are going through and you can speak from first-hand knowledge about your healing process and potentially lead the way for others. I hundred percent agree with you on that. Although I so, I wish you were closer. Um, so oh, need that hands-on well, healing. Let me tell people about how they can um, find somebody and avail themselves of this treatment. Of course, the first thing I would recommend is that you buy my book, Touching Light, on Amazon. Because if you go to your therapist for the first time with that information yeah. under your belt, your treatments are just going to be stellar. And it, it helps the therapist tremendously for them to not have to explain all this to you and get past your skepticism. Mm -hmm. So with that under your belt, you can also go to www.myofascialrelease.com and my mentor, John Barnes, has a therapist locator uh, program on his website. And you can type in your zip code and it can help you find somebody near you. And I've done a few other interviews where the interviewer sent me an email later and said, found somebody three miles from where I live. Ah, I'm so happy. You're right. Um, if you want to come and visit me in Ojai, would love to have you. And our website is www.ohm, as in mom, sanctuary.com. That stands for Ohio Healing Movement Sanctuary.com. Uh, I have a YouTube channel, Ronell1111, where you can see the living fascia magnified 25 times and see those fiber optics I've described and uh, gather lots of information there for free 
and on our website to know that we conduct workshops in self-myofascial release, which is a great tool to have. When I've worked with you on the table, I've showed you how to walk well with alignment, and then you go home and know that you do not have to suffer if you start feeling pain. It's not something your doctor knows better than you. It's not something that requires pain medication necessarily if the first thing you do is learn to do the self-myofascial release techniques and interrupt those patterns before they become ingrained. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So release it and then it is a, um, a, a maintaining it because it doesn't matter what's going to happen. There's going to be other things that's going to cause your fascia to tighten up, but you're acknowledging it and knowing how to release it before it gets to a point. Um, yes. of consuming you and um, but you know you're also talking about you know honoring yourself um, I live in less pain now I can say my pain is purely physical now rather mm. than emotionally mm. physical if you know what I mean because I have released it I have spoken my word a with the radio station with my writing um, mm-hmm. with the things that I do there that that expression um, permission I gave myself to express um, yes. which was always uh, suppressed for a long time and it really has released a great deal of the pain I live in. The pain I live in is purely, I know, physical and, you know, reactive mm-hmm. to the weather or um, other things that are going on. And it's kind of, I looked at it that, yeah, I will find your release. I'll find somebody that can release you. But in the meantime, you know, my mind is over matter, so to speak. And I think that's I think that's kind of part of what we have to do too, isn't it? Is like understand that there is that physical thing going on, but yeah. don't be, don't kind of buy into it. God, I've got something wrong with me, and then become a cripple by something that is is not crippling you. It's just deterring you. You know, yeah. we've got to stop. You know, when people say I have cancer, and immediately I send out a um, you know, a show and all these people that have killed themselves of cancer through various ways. If you mm. still want to hold on to the cancer because you like that label and the sympathy you get, yeah. then that cancer is going to stay with you or come back. You know, you've got to be willing to want to invest in your body and do the work that you need to do to find that release. Otherwise, it's just going to constantly be reoccurring. Yes, that's a sh- section in my book called Prices and Payoffs. Mm-hmm. Because there are definitely yummy payoffs for having a diagnosis and being ill and getting attention. And you're not bad for loving the attention, but you do want to be consciously aware of the price that your body yeah. pays for getting attention in that way. Exactly. And, you know, rather, you know, uh, Let's celebrate uh, the fact that you don't have it anymore. Um, you <laughs> found a way to release it, and you're sharing that solution with people. That is so much more celebratory than, than the, you know, uh, oh, woe is me, I've got. You know, I know I've got these things, but I'm constantly being searching for an avenue of how to bloody well get rid of it because I <laughs> <Yes>. don't want it. <laughs> so, you know, no, thank you. I want to press the delete button um, because I don't like the, what it does to my life. But it's just this show has been such a wonderful light bulb for me in understanding what it is I have, why I have it, what's caused it, but also what I can do about it. And I have been for so long now kind of been getting very very frustrated going from one you know uh, holistic or medical or whatever to try and find these answers and you know in the medical it's well let's try Botox now 
you know, and it's, yeah. oh, I, and it's, uh, well, you'd have to Botox the whole body. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, it could be simpler. <laughs> you know, just put in a tube and let's let it run through the body, right? <laughs> <laughs> and oops, we find out later that that's actually kind of harmful. Exactly. A little rat poisoning going through the body, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and that's the trouble is that, that, that just the answers haven't been out there because they are not yet ready to understand what the problem is. So how can they be offering up a solution? And here you are with the solution because you understand what the problem is. And if it's to me, a layman who understands, okay, that makes sense. Why, yes. you know, it's time for the medical association to kind of look at it and go, you know, she's got a point. <laughs> Yay, I look <laughs> forward to that day. And until then... <laughs> Scream into a pillow. Why didn't the doctor tell me that <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, but again, this this uh, liberation that you've given me and understanding what it is that's wrong with me and what I can do about it, um, you know, now becomes this advocacy and this celebration that now gets shared. And the more and more people that listen to these shows, please pass them on. You know, somebody else that's dealing with fibromyalgia. Maybe they haven't been given the, you know, the fiber optic fascia or the myfascial pain. They haven't been given that label. But if they've got any of these things that could potentially be wrong with them, let them understand what it is. Because now they can go to their doctor with the book and say, this is what I've got. What are you going to do about it? Uh, yeah. And start educating the doctors. <laughs> because they don't know. They simply don't know. And they're not bad for not knowing. No, they're just not being taught. <laughs> exactly. You know, as, as you said, it's always that stuff they've cut through. Um, and, uh, you know, they've just treated us as just like a film or it'll grow back. But Packing yeah, materials. yeah, exactly. And um, but it's yes, it will grow back. But how will it grow back? You know, the matrix in which it grows back is it serving or is it deterring? And yeah. we know everything in the body is energy, and it needs to flow. It has to have that fluidity running through it. And if you've got this fascia, you know, kind of forming a clump and a blockage or hardening, as you say, how can that energy get through it? seems simple to me exactly <laughs> exactly and and again and you know your book you've written it simply it, it's just so easy to breeze through uh, because you do not go you know scientific or highfalutin you talk in terms that is just very easy to understand so you know anybody listening please get the book touching light how to free your fiber optic fascia by Ronell Wood and, you know, it gives you an understanding of what's going on in your own body and identification, even if you can't afford a treatment right now, though, you know, save up your pennies to get them, even being aware that you have this and start screaming, start shouting, start letting things out, start stretching, start honoring your body's pain and stop holding it in. That's a start. It's a start. And wherever we need to start from is, is a good thing. Well, I thank you for coming on the station and sharing your story with, with Bill on Quinescence and with me here on Choose Positive Living. Um, you know, you, you, you are that angel of information that is needed. It just makes so much sense. I can't believe it's taken so long to find this answer. And, and most certainly now that in that liberation and in that freedom, it, um, I kind of feel a whole lot of pain released already. So... <laughs> And uh, it's so many people are suffering things that just don't need to be suffering. You know, we're seeing 
as I said, the fibromyalgia and, and, and lots of other things, arthritis, all of this, just yeah. just like, oh, it's a common cold. No, it never used to be. Why Why is it and why are we ignoring it? You know, it's not looking upon it as being something that just, well, everybody's getting nowadays, so be it. No, it means that we've got to address the situation and stop this epidemic. And uh, we need to understand what's going on in our bodies. So thank you for taking this path. My pleasure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you listen to uh, Bill's show with her, it goes more into a story of how this all came about, her journey to this. I wanted to really cover what um, uh, the fascia is today and what it means to our bodies and what it means to us. And um, I shall go and find a nice little bridge now and have a good scream. <laughs> 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 Wonderful. That's a new fitness program. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So thank you so much for being with us today, Ronell. Thank you too, Sarah. It was wonderful. And to everyone else, the answers are there. Read the book. understand your own body go and educate your doctors go and look for somebody who can release you this is what it's all about taking charge of your own body not just sitting back and waiting for someone else to give you a magic pill we have the solution if we're only willing to open the door to it until next time <laughs>